Hey everyone, Anthony Fantano here, internet's busiest music nerd, and you are listening to the latest episode of The Needle Drop Podcast, where we go across the internet interviewing content creators of all shapes and sizes, although now we have a heavy hitter on the show today. He has a YouTube channel where he just surpassed the 100,000 subscriber mark. We're super proud of him, and we're having him on the... Hey, I'm not done talking about you. Shut the fuck up. God. God. I'm sorry. We're super proud of him. And that's why we're having him on the podcast this week, Frank Jeffsey. Hello, everyone. It is me, Frank Jeffsey. And in today's video tutorial, I am talking to the busiest, internetiest, musiciest nerd. <laughs> oh, man. I hope you came prepared with some notes of some it's shit. It's funny because. I've when you were like, oh, when you hit 100K, like I've literally been mentally planning this mm-hmm. moment for like the past three months. Mm-hmm. So I am fully prepared. Uh, not really, actually. I'm just going with the flow. <laughs> I'm very Taoist right now. I just go with it. Like mm-hmm. that's what I try to do with my art is just go with it and just experience it. Which is why, like, I don't know. The last podcast I was, um, I, I was, um on with h3h3 productions like that was totally just like random as fuck because i couldn't sleep the night before and um my girlfriend had bought me like this 10x pop brownie so i cut it up into fours and i thought hey maybe if i eat one and then go to sleep uh it'll make me go to sleep so i ate like one fourth of it and then i woke up and i was like oh shit that was a stupid idea so like (laughs) that was kind of like i don't know i was just kind of like awkward that whole time but I, I want to thank you for having me on uh, your podcast. It, it really means a lot to me. And you are like, I, I don't know, like you have your unique niche on the internet as like music. Uh, what is it like music critiquer, music reviewer. And like, like you, 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 you low key inspired me to like kind of do what I do with my whole like satirical, like, Oh, look at this music. That's really weird. Why? No, it's cool. It's totally <laughs> fine. No, because when I when I first came across your stuff, I I don't know, like I didn't see it as being influenced by what I do at all. Although you did, I think part of the reason I reached out to you is because it was in the vaporwave video and you had a picture of me yeah. doing that floral shop review in there. And I remember I had seen uh, a couple of your videos um, at a friend's house, and. I was like, I wonder if I should comment on this guy's videos, because I think they're really funny, but sometimes you never really know. Sometimes you think somebody's doing something really cool, and then you message them, and you're like, hey, man, you're doing some really cool stuff, and it turns out that person already knows about you, and they fucking hate you. Aww. And that's actually happened to me with a lot of vaporwave producers. Like I'll reach out to them and be like, Oh, Hey, I like your stuff. And they're like, fuck you. You're ruining the scene. You're not this. And I'm like, Holy shit. Like, I'm sorry that I made fun of like one genre, like a, two years ago, almost. And it blew up more than your fucking music. Fine. Then I won't fucking talk to you anymore. Shit. You know, it's just, you know, satire. It's not like, you know, necessarily a 100% reflection of, of personal feelings. Yeah. You know, you don't hate, vaporwave or vapor waivers although i find and 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 i do appreciate vaporwave but i find it funny that that someone would be like the vaporwave scene man fuck you it's like i don't know it's kind of like a virtual scene sort of like a virtual a virtual plaza it's all over the world too that's one thing that i i fuck with is that like it's international like 
there's people from like Greece messaging me being like vaporwave people from Brazil people from Russia actually there's this one a uh, YouTuber I influence name uh Fly Tanigan I think is his name but he's a Russian um YouTuber who does my style where he t- he'll talk about like uh underground uh music genres but in Russian and uh, he was really inspired by my Witch House video where I was like, Witch House. So he did his own Witch House because um, he messaged me and he was like, oh, I really like your videos. The the Russian subtitles are shit because I just like uh, Google Translate all my subtitles. And he's like, I want to do my own version of your Witch House thing. Is that cool? I'm like, sure, go ahead. And then he did that. And he's he low-key like started a whole Russian Witch House underground scene that Vice was talking about like I think a year after. And I was like, well, that's really cool how like you do one thing and then it ripples into like other parts of the world and stuff. If we, you know, if... Witch House really needs to make a comeback now, and I guess it's not going to happen in America. So, you know, Russia, there's really no better place for it to happen. Yeah, cold, bleak. Well, yeah, that's exactly. from what I've seen, and I think they, they love that shit. Like, I, I mean, I love that Hoover synth, the whole, like, like, I fuck with the B sounds. So, like, I don't know. <laughs> Yo, dude, it just makes me think, what the hell happened to Salem? Like, what happened to Salem? Where are they now? I don't know. Like, a lot of these Witch House producers and a lot of, like, people that produced in 2010, like, I, I don't know. Music is so weird. Like, they'll, they'll like, some people, like, especially in now, today's society where everything's, like, ADHD, like, now, on demand, like, people will blip up, blow up, and then disappear really fast. So, mm. it's, like, right now, like, especially with my music, I'm trying to create something sustainable. So, that's why, like, I created this Frank Jeff, like, I'm, I'm going to sound super marketable, but I created the Frank Jeff C brand where it's, like, I am an artist. Watch me do all these different things rather than I am an artist. This is my genre. It's like, I am the artist. Watch me do all these different genres. So I think that's the future of art. Like, I like talking about the future. Sure. The thing about jumping on trends right now as a musician is, uh, <sighs> you know, there's so much sat- there's so much saturation within a certain sound or a certain style. And even if you manage to sort of make it to the top of that style or the top of that trend, uh, what's going to end up happening is one or two more years down the road, uh, regardless of how popular you were when that style was hot, that style itself is just going to die out in the public sort of interest. And yeah. then from there, you're going to have to change up. Like you're going to have to do a total 180 with your sound or with your style, unless you come up with something entirely original that people just do not know how to copy. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, sort of. If you're, you're sort of. You're, if you're like a flying lotus or something like that, you mm-hmm. know, like his style is so dense and it's so intricate that it's not anything. Just you know, some fledgling first year producer can just like rip off easily. Yeah, unless you know how to do things just right. Like in my IDM tutorial, where I teach people how to just randomize their drum hits. So if you randomize it just right, it sounds like oh, someone spent hours meticulously doing this when it's just white noise on a drum hit. Like, <laughs> Um, well, what was well, it? Oh, I, well, I was going to ask you, um, you know, in, in your mind, uh, sort of what allows you to have staying power? You know, what, what do you feel like uh, you do that's in your best interest to sort of keep people interested in your next video, in your next album, in your next song? Um, you know, what, what to you as an artist means uh, making a sustainable career, making a, a sustainable music? Yeah, um, well, for me, well... This goes back to like my background. Like, I'm really into numbers. Like, I fucking love math. I'm into like numerology and just like I get off to numbers. Numbers is like my big thing. So, like, music is just numbers having fun. Like, you know, all the music theory, all the different like modes and stuff. It's all just numbers. So, like, 
with my music, like when I first started on YouTube, I had no numbers whatsoever. Like when I did my how to vaporwave, I had like 2000 subs for my eight bits that I used to do, but then they were always being taken down because of copyright strike. So I actually got rid of every single one of my eight bits on my channel. I actually got a strike for a childish Gambino eight bit like a month ago. So like I, I can't upload more than like 15 minute videos now. So like I, after I did that, I just removed every single like eight bit that I ever made. And just now my channel is mostly my how to's, but with sustainable sustainability what i started noticing is um when i shifted my style towards more like my how to's and all that other stuff i started noticing the numbers growing the engagement growing the the more people were were coming to me just because of my i i guess style and uh like i i took a month off if if anyone noticed like if anyone's like really like uh i don't know they observe me like closely like i took the entire month of february and the beginning of march off just to collaborate and just kind of see where i was going and the numbers kept still growing so like my back catalog was interesting enough that my viewers were going back and rewatching it or sharing it still and i i still get notifications when someone barely finds like my vaporwave video and now they're like check this out or check out this trap video and it, it keeps growing from there but i think sustainability comes from uh being able to do like be a jack of all trades like literally say like as a musician i can do all genres rather than as a musician i am one genre and i think that's something that a lot of young music producers don't get right now because a lot of them see uh music as a get quick rich scheme because i get a lot of messages where it's like producers being like help me create a banger how do i get uh views how do i get this how do i get that and i i I feel like Especially with my slow rise, it's not necessarily like I have, I've never had a viral hit. That's something that I, I've noticed is like I've never got shared by like Nine Gag or like BuzzFeed or something like that. It's always been organic. Like my entire channel is literally just people finding me or their friends sharing it with their friends. So hmm. I, I feel that to create sustainability is like you have to create an actual <coughs> bless you. You have to create like an actual in, um like. It's uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like an actual engagement and an actual interactivity with uh, your viewer, so that they want to be, they want to stay, and they want to see you grow. Like I, I also like showing my my like I don't know if you've seen this video where I did where I showed like my studio and it's just like my room I share with my sister, but she doesn't share the room with me anymore. She like sleeps in the room, so I have this like little like shitty room to myself. And I wanted to show people this is where I create my music because a lot of people think you need a huge studio, you need yeah. all this analog gear and. We live in like the digital age now where literally anyone can just upload anything to SoundCloud with like the shittiest DAW and it can blow up mainstream in like a day. But to create that sustainability, you have to have like that interaction, that engagement with the audience where it's like, um, I, I don't know. It's like, like, um, like I, <laughs> this, piece, this is probably going to get people mad, but like uh, um, I watch a lot of Let's Players sometimes and the way they interact with their audience and mm. that is how you get someone to pay attention and to care about you. Is like if you can make someone laugh, if you can make someone happy, if you could like make someone feel like they're your friend. That's like the the future of like currency and like like not currency, but like um, what's the word? Like just interactive engagement. Like people will be more engaged with you if you actually talk to them. Like I message all my like all the messages I get. I I try to respond to as many as I can. Like with like a little like emoji or something. And like those little things help you get uh I don't know just uh, listeners. Hmm. Um, okay, so so you're trying to create videos, you're trying to create content, whether it's music or whether it's visual, that um, you know that people are going to not only want to rewatch, watch with their fa- watch with their friends, uh, share with their friends, but also your videos are funny enough, and they're based on topics that 
they're going to be entertaining to watch uh, tomorrow, and they're going to be inter- entertaining to watch like a year from now. Yeah, you know, there's like a like also. I, I like getting comments where people are like, I don't even care about music production theory. I just like watching your videos. And that's how I know I've hit like a middle ground, like especially with mm. uh, where I'm trying to go with my art. Because like I, I, th- I think vi- visual video music art is like the ultimate culmination of everything I do. Like, I don't know. Um, it's funny that um, my binaural beat video took me so long to do. It took me like almost a month of just planning, doing this, doing that. And then like probably like a week of just pure editing. And then after it was done, I was like, I'm bored. And then I made my how-to vapor trap in like less than two days. And that one blew up bigger than my last video. So I was like, man, like, I don't know. It's like so, some things work, some things don't work. But like with YouTube, I like experimenting. That's why I started a new channel where I can like do my weird experimental stuff. That's also an excuse for me to get away with uh, Let's Plays with my girlfriend. So we can just like, because we're, we're, we're doing a whole album based on a, Super Nintendo sound fonts. So I've been mm. just downloading Super Nintendo sound fonts, making beats with that, and we've been writing uh, music over that. So that album, I don't want to really talk about that much because it is not even done. It's not even like 10% of the way done. Those terms, though, are just very trendy, very searchable terms, though. Vapor trap, yeah. especially especially with your audience, though. You know, yeah. Like, people are going to see those terms and be like, what? Vapor? Trap? I got to see this. You can just literally put vapor on anything because vape culture is super, super huge right now. Vape nation. <laughs> Have you been vaping at all? Yeah, actually. I love I love the vapors. I, uh, just kidding. Um, actually, uh, <laughs> I do have like one little cheap little Chinese uh, like vape vaporizer, but I, I don't use it that much because it's super cheap. But I don't know. Vaping is I, like I'm, I'm waiting for the day like the statistics come out that's like vaping is 30 times worse than smoking like tobacco or cigars. And I'm gonna be like, oh, shit. It just seems like uh, it's it's more of just like, I don't know, a fashion thing than it is uh, if, if anybody's sort of getting anything out of it, like physically or mentally. Yeah. And it's just like, look at trendy. me. I'm like blowing smoke. It looks really cool that I'm blowing smoke. Mm-hmm. That's like the next thing that I would want to do is design trendy uh, vaporizers based on vaporwave, hmm. and then s- sell that to the to the millions of of kids out there that watch my videos. Just I mean, why not just I don't know, get a vaporizer just like installed into your throat so that every single time you breathe, you're just like blowing vapor out <laughs> into the world. Isn't that which... like that's the future of all technological advancements is transhumanism where we slowly become ones with our robot companions and have robot eyes and stuff mm. like that. I can't <laughs> wait for that. Like that's what, something I'm really interested in is like contacts that are just your computer and you can literally see anything. Like you don't need a phone anymore. It's just your eyes are robot eyes. I guess it's better than having a computer chip installed in your head. Well, that that's that's probably like the next step. That that'd be scary though, because like, what if you get a virus and then suddenly like your worst nightmares are like legit real? Well, yeah. Not only that, but what if the contacts give you eye cancer? Oh man, that's the worst. <laughs> uh, it's okay. They'll just replace your eyes with robot eyes. Yeah, and then you can see through people's uh, flesh and see their bones, and you can see their organs, and you can yeah, see. Yeah, at that point, balls. you're just gonna see like robot parts and stuff. Like once you start <laughs> looking through people's flesh, it's so crazy. Like, I'm also like... really into the singularity right now. The thought of everyone combining together to be one infinite being of light and just vibrating higher and higher forever. Like that's kind of what my binaural beat video is about. Like I don't know. Like I've been looking at these trends. Like I th- I, I look at music like. I don't know, like music to me, 
I, I always tell my fans, send me music, send me what you got. And literally everything started sounding the same after a while. I was like, wow, I could have sworn I've heard the same beat over and over and over again. So I'm like, huh, this is like probably like slowly we're because of the Internet, we're slowly getting to this universal style of music, which I think is low key, just like trap hi hat triplets and like fucking low bass and high hi hats. And <laughs> like, um, we're we're creating this weird universal sound and I don't know, stuff like that intrigues me, especially like when I found out that um uh, there's this nineteen ninety nine study where this guy said that um like when people collaborate and and work together, their brain starts syncing up at a rate of forty hertz, which is also the same rate at which like the bass drum and most eight oh eight kicks and uh EDM kicks are at. So it's like, mm-hmm. oh, that makes sense. So like when people hear that frequency over and over again, they 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 merge together and to create one gigantic just jumping mass of humans. <laughs> So, hmm. uh, so in your mind, yeah, it it seems like the internet is sort of uh, 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 trending toward this uh, this this one sound. You don't think there's a moment where it'll just like totally die out, and there'll be like I don't know a trap bubble or something like yeah. the housing like the housing bubble. And I then mean, every, and then everybody will just be like poor. Everything does cycles. Everyone's a cycle, you know. Um, sure. Like things have when things start, they blow up and they go to an end. Like right now, vaporwave is still rising. Like when I made my vaporwave video, like if you look at the Google trends, the day I made my vaporwave vidal, vidal, <laughs> video, video, uh, video, um, it, it like it had a stock market crash where like no one cared about vaporwave, and then like a month or two later, it started rising and still getting bigger and bigger. But like with most things, it needs to peak, and like that at that moment is when it becomes so oversaturated like literally everyone is doing it that there's no one unique or special and then like someone comes out with like i made a really cool lo-fi acoustic album and if it's that good then people are going to switch to that you know what i mean Hmm. no it's absolutely true and i think part of the reason vaporwave has sort of seen continued success is that it changed you know it's not just like you know, uh, 80s R&B and sort of smooth jazz samples yeah. anymore, you know, and like Roman marble busts. Yeah. You know, it's it sort of seems to have embraced a lot of different genres. And, and to me, it's sort of become a kind of a new expression of ambient music. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think, you know, a lot of the creators of these records would be as, I guess, um, uh, eager to just sort of throw that ambient label on it, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I guess it's kind of a cool way for this next generation to engage in ambient music without just calling it ambient music or making it sound like the ambient music of the 70s, 80s, 90s, or 2000s. Yeah, Brian Eno actually talked about that. I'm not sure if he said it in like the late 70s, early 80s, or he's like, all the stuff that we hate today, like the cassette de- um, degradation and vinyl like pops and stuff, like in the future, people are going to idolize and worship that. Like it's going to be the best thing to them. And like right now, the digital like uh quality is going to be seen as like disgusting and it's like yeah well we we go through cycles what i'm really interested in is like where tech like um the technology and musical equipment is going to be in the next 10 years like will people be able to just program beats instantaneously or will people be able to like go up on stage and like literally just like create um create music out of just movements of their hands and stuff like that like everything on the fly like a new like a new jazz renaissance where everything's just improvised and no one show sounds the same rather than like a pre-made pre-mixed pre-mastered set like i don't know like i'm really interested in like the future of just creating music i think a uh, part of the reason this generation is so evil uh, is so evil yeah it's evil yeah um, it is. is so is so easily able 
to uh, to idolize stuff like tapes and like vinyl is because we can kind of enjoy it um, and we can enjoy music uh, without we, we can enjoy the aesthetics of those mediums without any of the inconveniences. Yeah. You know? Like if we want to listen to something that has kind of a tape sound to it, we can just kind of casually listen to a tape. But if we don't feel like listening to the tape, we can go on YouTube and stream it, go on Spotify and stream it. We could just listen to an MP3 version of the project that we have. So, you know, mm-hmm. we don't have to deal with the everyday headaches of, of, oh, fuck, the tape cassette just like broke or it yeah. worked or it just doesn't sound as good as it used to um if you buy a record and you know you scratch that record it's really no skin off your teeth because you could just go listen to uh uh the album online if you want you know i bought a new copy of that ghost record meliora um and uh, uh there was a song on side b that every single time i listen to it it skips and i mean i don't know i i guess i didn't really think it was that big of a deal because if i wanted to i can probably just go listen to the mp3 version of the record which i have on my phone yeah and i have on my computer and the album was probably recorded digitally anyway it's funny um you you say that like um you have physical um you know physical copies of music whereas people have you know mp3s digital make believe copies of music that literally doesn't exist except for like ones and zeros and i noticed a, a popular trend amongst um, like you know, the whole vaporwave scene is cassette tapes, where people be like, "Here, you want to buy inconvenience? Here's a cassette tape with my music put on it." And like, it, there, there's there's nothing wrong with that, but I just think it's weird that music today is literally worthless. Like, yeah, of course, people put all this effort, they put all this emotion and heart, and you know, mixing, mastering, all this other stuff. But literally, anyone can just rip a copy of it off of YouTube or just steal it. And it's music is literally worthless now because of how easy it is to get it. But people are trying to find ways to make it worthwhile, like with a physical, you know, physical releases and stuff like that. And I think that's where that whole like vaporwave capitalism stuff really comes into play. It's like when people are like, "Look at all the cassettes I made. You can just buy my music for cassettes," and then like people after like the the, a year or two after the artist like you know like i don't know just like does whatever they they upload them on ebay being like rare limited edition 100 bucks and it's like oh shit like there we go consumerism at its finest well i think it's it's sort of a reaction to how easily uh uh, music has just kind of made uh you know uh how easily the internet has made music uh accessible you know Uh, the the access is just so wide and it's just so far-reaching and internet connections are everywhere today um so so i see that as kind of a reaction to that in in their sort of saying listen this is like a limited thing you know you can't get this everywhere um and and i think that's what some music listeners are looking for these days you know they're looking for a unique experience they're looking for something that not everybody has yeah the fact of the matter is is that with the internet you know everybody has a copy of everything everybody has seen everything you know it's not like in the 80s and the 90s where the underground you know people who were you know enjoyed mainstream music were weren't conscious of the underground a lot of the time like it was yeah. just this totally alien world that people didn't get or they thought it was weird or they didn't want to also... have anything to do with it you know there was there was like um it was shadowy you know but yeah now it was internet... also region based like sure absolutely distinct regions had their own sounds and stuff the underground had their own sound whereas now with the internet it's like oh this is the underground of the internet but it spreads everywhere now yes exactly so you know there's there's no light 
uh, I mean, there's, there's no darkness anymore. You know, the light has been shed upon everything. Like everybody and their mother, like knows who anal cunt is, you know, they're yeah. no longer like this weird, obscure, like just really fucked up thing that you have to be, I don't know. You have to have a screw or two loose to like pursue that sort of thing. You yeah. know, um, now it's just kind of like another weird thrill for people to kind of gawk at on the internet. Um, but still though, you know, I, and, and that's why I sort of came out with that new segment I did a few days ago with the, um, uh, the, it came from Bandcamp segment because yeah, there is like that. a lot of like really weird stuff on Bandcamp that, you know, you just don't come across every day. Yeah. Um, there's also this new genre I wanted to, uh, parody, uh, it's called uh, deep web where, mm. have you heard of it? It's no. super underground. It's, um, Ew. Yeah, it's like you basically get YouTube videos. You sample YouTube videos with less than like, uh, with without any views or less than like ten views, and you sample them and use music. And a lot of people have been doing this, but like, a, a lot of them I feel are like you know, um, they're what, what's the word like pioneers are they're they're like they're 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 trying to go into the great unknown with creating the new genre. But I think they're missing the point of video, uh, like the the video, uh, what's the word like the video canvas. They're they're like. They're getting a video and just taking the audio and they're like, let's just make music out of it. I'm like, dude, you're taking a video. Just use the video. Use the video to make music out of it. Because I, I realize a lot of people don't care as much as they used to about music. Like um, whenever I talk to like old people about music, they're like, back in my day, like we used to listen to music and we used to just have the video. But now everyone's like, oh, you need a visualizer, a video or something to make you feel the music. And it's like, well, I think that now we have the videos so like go get a video sample it cut it up with a bunch of other videos and you have like this whole new art form like a whole new like collage of just uh pre-existing content and that's what i've noticed about youtube especially now is it's a lot of people with pre-existing content commenting on the pre-existing content like look at this thing here are my opinions on it whereas before it was like here's a creation that i made solely of myself now it's more like here's a mix mash of everything that has ever influenced me all put into one specific little video portal you could watch yeah i think um it's sort of hard these days for somebody to come up with something that just feels like it comes out of nothing because yeah. you just have so much access and so much stimulation from everything you know um it's uh, part of the, uh, the I guess, uh, it's a convenience, but it's also a problem. It's a double-edged sword. You yeah. know, not only do you have so much access to current music right now, you know, there's there's literally no obscure underground on the internet. You know, you can easily access anything. Uh, all, all of it's searchable. Um, but simultaneously, you have so much wide access to all the music of the past as well. Which, yeah. sure, there's some music here and there that uh, didn't get digitized, didn't get repressed, and you're not going to be able to find it anymore. But it used to be that, uh, <laughs> you know, a record would come out 10 years ago, and if it wasn't that popular, it would be kind of hard to get a hold of it in the next decade. And with that kind of natural progression of music being a physical, you know, medium with records and CDs and cassettes and all that... Um, you know, stuff would die out and stuff would become obscure and stuff would be hard. Stuff would become hard to hear and hard to find and hard to get a hold of. And now, you know, not only do we just have so much contemporary music that we could overstimulate ourselves with, but you could listen to literally anything that came out over the past 50 years, too. Yeah. Um, so uh, with with those two, uh, you know, 
problems kind of compounding. Um, it's it's sort of difficult for anybody to make anything that either doesn't sound blatantly influenced by something or, you know, uh, something that the audience is actually going to interpret as being new or original as well, because the audience has heard so much as well before they've even heard uh Artist X's new record, you know, like even before the, the the second song starts, they're probably going to jump to a bunch of conclusions as to what the album is going to sound like because they've heard, you know, all the big, major, relevant bands that have been uh, so influential from the 70s and the 80s and 90s. They already know whether or not you're listening to Led Zeppelin or Joy Division or New Order or whatever. Yeah, that's what I think about this whole like new movement of like just like unearthing the gems of the past and digitizing it for today is like so important to so many people because it's like check out this thing that probably no one's ever seen before or that people forgot about and let me refurbish it for today. And it's like it, it, especially like cuz I'm I'm really into history, like that's my thing, like I'll go back to like whenever cuz like I, like especially with music like I like looking up like oh when jazz was a big thing oh when rock and roll was a big thing or even like even in the past when it's like oh when composers were composing things which is just technically like old school Dawes and then hiring musicians to be their VSTs to like record whatever <laughs> for them and Dude, it's I like, put up a picture of sheet music the other day and I said the original Daw yeah original Daw it is the original Daw it was just paper with with little sketchings, and you you would tell your your little minion drone VST people to play it for you, and then the kings and queens would applaud, and all the rich people would shake their jewelry everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, music is weird. Music is crazy. Like the more especially I look into it, like how like it sinks everyone's brains and hearts at the same time, and like like there are people who like will listen to my music that like I I recorded like I don't know like I I hide a lot of stuff in my music like purposely subconsciously sometimes like without me even noticing it and like I'll listen to it again and be like oh shit that's in there and like it's weird because some people have like an intimate reaction towards music like they'll put it on like that's their comfort that's their like their their sense of like zen is through music so it's 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 really interesting like especially knowing that like I'm putting they're putting me inside their brains <laughs> That sounds real sexy. Yeah, it can be. Sometimes. So I'm I'm trying to figure out uh you know how how you feel on this based on what you just said and what you said a little bit earlier. Uh do you feel like music is still important now? Is music still relevant to people? Does music still matter or you know is it just uh merely a side dish now to whatever people are doing at the time that they're listening to it or a side dish to whatever visual component has been uh combined with it uh somehow i believe music is actually really important but the way we're treating it is not so important i i believe music um because like music has evolutionary uh purposes like for some reason, humans and birds are the only animals that can like keep on a beat or like make like a, a tapping sound or create rhythms and repeat and stuff. And it, it goes way back to like when uh, everyone was like you know uh, primal and everyone didn't have clothes and everyone thought like the sky was like fucking like a giant god that was gonna like murder everyone if they didn't like kill people for some reason. And it's like like shamans and like priests and all the other people like they would create uh like you know uh. trance-like states by hitting rhythms together and then people would get together and they would tap rhythms and like for some reason like that was like the first communal thing that brought people together was the rhythm the the sound like before you even had like civilization or anything like the whole storytelling and the whole everything is just revolved around uh you know rhythms 
and mm. cycles and stuff like that. So I think music is extremely important, especially to like the human race as like evolution and, and everything. Like the, it, it, it's weird how music is a distinct like classifier of like sometimes race, class, and like just everything in general. Like, have you noticed like the the Grammys? Like they 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 the Grammys are like low key racist by splitting up like white and black music to like folk and R and B and stuff like that. But like it's like low key just like cutting it up into like groups of people. Whereas like I don't know where I'm going with this topic, but. Well, I, th- I think it's, um, you know, music and certain sounds and certain genres are very culture based, you know, and, and a lot of those cultural lines are drawn racially, they're drawn geographically, yeah. you know, but but that's the thing, you know, people sort of favor the type of, of music that they sort of culturally identify with a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the like the future of music is just universal music, like music everyone can get into. Hmm. And right now, from what I've seen, is just the numbers is like the 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 music that has the bonus numbers is like the whole EDM bubble where everything's just like put your hands up, boop 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 boop, and like you know that that thing where it's like jump to the music, but then at the same time it has those like weird like neurotic effects that come from like the frequencies that are being emitted and like how it just entrances people. But I I do think trance is the music of the 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 great beyond. Like I think you posted a meme like that where it's like some guy he was like trance is is, is the music of of God and stuff like that. <laughs> well, I I think my I don't know my rebuttal to that would be that that just seems like uh, it just seems so lowest common denominator, you know, yeah. to the point where sure you could have a collective experience to it, but on an individual level, it's almost meaningless, you know, yeah. which is. Uh, you know, the types of musical pursuits that, that sort of I go on, you know, like I'm looking for a record, I'm looking for a song that's going to uh, impact me on that very personal and that very unique level. And it doesn't really matter to me whether or not there are a 100,000 other people out there who also think it's amazing. Yeah. You know, um, I'm going to feel how I feel about it regardless. Um, but there, but still, you know, there are music listeners who sort of like in that EDM crowd, like you just mentioned, you know, listen to music in a very collective sense. You know, they listen to music because it's an excuse it's a reason to get together and sort of have that collective experience yeah um also what you're saying is like you know the whole intimate individual music uh like just vibe like a lot of music is just emotion uh emotion simulators so it's like when you listen to a song this song wants you to feel happy this song wants you to feel angry this song wants you to feel sad and like that that's what i'm starting to notice more and more about like what makes people like music is specifically by creating unique emotions to an individual that they're like whoa i need to feel that again and it low-key becomes like a drug at that at that at that point but like it's weird because i'm a musician because i like making music that makes me feel good and like I'll, I'll I'll be producing songs and songs and sometimes a song I, I won't like and I'll just get rid of it. But if there's songs that make me feel good, like there's something just deep down where it's like, oh, yes, I love this so much. I'm pretty sure someone else is going to love it. So that's kind of like my reasoning for making music is I'll make music that makes me feel it's not necessarily good. Like, I, I, I guess there's some people that are into music that makes them feel bad. But as if there's a if there's a song that makes me feel something immensely, then I, I'll release it. It seems like every I mean, it seems like everybody's trying to feel something when they're listening to a song, whether they're feeling uh, an emotion or a certain nostalgia for a time. I mean, the deeper we go into this decade, the more music I I hear that sounds like it's coming straight out of the 90s. 
Yeah. Like it, it's, it seems like there's so many people that, and not even just, you know, uh, uh, the, the two genres specifically are probably hip hop and, and rock music. There's yeah. so many bands now that I hear and they're just kind of doing like a post hardcore thing or an early emo thing, or they are doing an alternative rock or a grunge thing, yeah. or there's a rapper who is doing like a boom bap East coast thing, yeah. or, you know, they think that they're, they're bringing real rap back with, you know, some of those <laughs> old school hardcore bars. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, you know, the internet, we're able to tap back into the past and re, 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 like revitalize it for the present. I also think it's like the, the whole subconscious thing that I, I like talking about a lot. Like I, I did this video on why vaporwave is mainstream and in it, I gave like a, a subtle like theory towards like, it reminds people of being like in the womb. So like the, the, the music is like music that was playing when you were like, I don't know, just in the womb going through like the, the fluids. And that's kind of like the vibe that people are giving in the future right now. It's like, I miss being, you know, not almost alive yet. <laughs> it's, uh, it's pretty interesting to theorize exactly, you know, sort of, uh, uh, the way music kind of, I don't know, um, uh, might in in a subconscious way kind of remind you of uh, certain things in certain eras. I mean, maybe, you know, some of these old pieces of music or, you know, like all this old pop music or smooth jazz or whatever, you know, music that 20 or 30 years ago used to just kind of be played, I don't know, over the loudspeaker at a Kmart or in a yeah, mall it's or something. Music. It yeah, gets exactly. stuck in your subconscious and then you're like, I want to create music. And then you create foreground music that was just background music decades ago. Well, also, you know, you're hearing that music and it's playing while you're in the womb, while your mom's probably like, you know, out and about, you know, going about her day. Yeah. And you're hearing that you're hearing that music through all that skin and all that fluid. Mm -hmm. And uh, and and then all of a sudden, you know, the person producing this vaporwave track throws a um, uh, a low pass filter on it and sort of just like makes it a little muddy. So so then maybe it sounds like it would have if you were listening to it in the womb. Yeah. And then like you instantly start sucking your thumb, get in a fetal position and then crawl up in the corner and cry. <laughs> that's, that's what music does to you. But Got it's it. funny. Like my mom was really into like, she's into like heavy metal music. She was like into Metallica and shit. So like, I'm pretty sure it was just a bunch of like, and, but like through that, it was just like machine music, which is probably why I just like really harsh dissonant noise music now. Oh, Okay. Just kidding. Dude. I don't listen to noise music as much. I actually, all, all I really listen to, like, this is going to piss people off, but I literally always listen to pop music and binaural waves. Like, that's all I do is like, what's popular? Now let me listen to nothing for a really long period of time. Hmm. Do, do you hit up the iTunes charts? Nah, I check the Spotify charts because I'm really into Spotify right now. Spotify is the future of music, I feel. So I've been just checking what's on popular on Spotify. Are you into uh, Megan Trainer, the new Megan Trainer single? Uh, which one's that? I haven't heard it. I think it's song no. Is I like I like song? that one song where she's like, dun, 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 dun. and she's just like singing with the guy. Like it's really sad, but like I I I I, I don't really. I don't really listen to her that much, but I do like her melodies. So I, I like that song. I haven't heard her new stuff. Uh, tell me why you think Spotify is the is is the future of music? Because it's so easily access uh, access access. I can't say I can't speak. It's so easily accessible. Like you can just put it on your phone, and people don't download music anymore because they don't want to you know 
take up all that space. And like for the average consumer, just looking up their favorite artists, remembering their favorite artists' names and just playing their stuff is is way more simpler. Hmm. Like even YouTube playlists, like some people make YouTube playlists with their favorite songs and they'll just like, uh, if they go driving or go running or something, they'll just play the playlist and, and go. And I think that's uh, really where the future of music is heading is just like you have your favorite artist, you know their name, you, you search them up on Spotify, you listen to them, you do this and that. And like, I think the whole idea of owning things, especially in the future, like I'm talking about like 50 years from now, I feel like no one's going to own anything in the future. Everything's just going to be like uh, borrowed or passing through. I don't know. Like that's just like these weird vibes. I guess. Well, I mean, as far as media, I, I don't really know if there is going to be any uh, sort of anybody owning anything, you know, because uh, especially with like, you know, some new computers, uh, specifically, you know, like the, the new run of Macs that they have out, they don't even have CD drives. Yeah. So, you know, that could just be a way of them to sell you a CD drive Everything's simultaneously. Like, you know, yeah. it's, uh, uh, I, I imagine a future where there won't be anywhere to put anything in terms of like, you know, uh, a physical sort of piece of media yeah everything's gonna be in the cloud and everything's wireless and you know what's what's trippy about all that stuff is it's all just frequencies like that's why i love music so much because like all electricity all radio waves all internet connection it's all just a wave like everything is literally a wave like even when you go down to like the the like the atomic level and get even smaller than that it's like it's just a vibration it's just a wave everything is just like a a cosmic musical experience hmm and that's why I fuck with music. Okay. The, the, as a music, as someone who fucks with music, and someone <laughs> yeah. who, and someone who, uh, you know, makes music, and someone who really cares about music, do, do you feel like you prioritize music? You know, when you're listening to it, or is it something that just kind of sits in the background? Is it something that you feel like when you're listening to it, you're just kind of listening to it casually, or when you're listening to it, is it something that you're kind of giving your full undivided attention, you know, and even if you aren't giving your full undivided attention, or if somebody is not giving your music, their full undivided attention, if they happen to be listening to your music, is, is that something that you see as, as wrong or disrespectful? Um, not, not necessarily. Like, I don't mind uh, being background music. I don't mind being foreground music. Music exists everywhere. Like, um, music, it, like, I, I'm, I'm doing this new video on Muzak, like the history of Muzak, which will be out probably when this podcast is out. Um, and th th there was a big question of like, uh, do, do people want to listen to foreground music, which is like, you know, pop music with, um, lyrics and stuff. Or do people want to listen to background music, which is just like turning your life into a virtual video game where it's like you walk into a room and it's like, Oh, soft jazz music. And you go outside. It's like, Ooh, epic exploring music. It's like literally music, um, exists everywhere. And I, I don't care whether or not a person listens to my music, like as background music, while they cook or clean or have sex or do whatever they want. Or if they listen to my music as like, I'm focusing on every single detail he's putting into this it's like i'm just happy if my vibrations go into someone's ear holes bless you thank bless you your soul. thank you um while there is a part of me that thinks that if you're if you're gonna put an album on you should be giving it your attention simultaneously i just kind of see that also as um also as the beauty of music or just a unique quality of music in and of itself, you know, music, I think can, even if you're not giving it your full undivided attention, um, music could still affect you subconsciously if it's just on in the background, you yeah. know, 
Um, so it's, it's having an effect on you, whether you're giving it your full attention or you're not giving it any attention at all, or at least you think you're not giving it any attention. Yeah. And on top of that, uh, you know, I don't think you could enjoy, uh, a certain kind of, um, I don't think you could enjoy any other artistic medium in that same way, you know, you can't sort of put a movie on while you're cooking and sort of enjoy the movie, uh, you know, or sort of uh, uh, get anything truly out of the movie other than maybe just kind of a distraction from you cooking, yeah. you know, uh, while you could easily put a song on while you're cooking. Um, some people can read and listen to music at the same time. I can't. I find yeah. it too distracting. Um, you know, you can't like put on some slam poetry and a movie at the same time yeah. and expect to get anything out of it, though there's tons of slam poetry out there that's set to music, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and also there's movie soundtracks, you know? Somebody came up with this idea one day that, well, we need to, you know, put these visuals to music if the visuals are going to be entertaining, you know? I mean, that was essentially what people had to do back in the day before we had movies that talked, yeah. you know? Um, well, you know, it would just be boring if people... <laughs> Just we're looking at these soundless moving images on the screen. Yeah. So, you know, if movies probably wouldn't have thrived if there wasn't some music there to sort of soundtrack the drama of the film yeah. uh, before there was actually sound to the film for people to hear. Yeah, I, I feel like music is actually like for as an art, it's really low key. Like a lot of people will praise other artists for their, you know, visual film like narrative stuff. But like with music, it's always like underneath everything. And I think music is literally the glue that connects a bunch of arts together. Like um like even paintings. Like a painting can be seen as background painting and foreground painting. A background painting meaning like when you walk into an office, like it, this is like huge in like the the sixties and seventies where people are like, we need to design the office aesthetic. So we're gonna put like this plant right here and like this uh this like modern art right here and then play music and now we have an office from the seventies. Whereas like I, I don't know. It's just like music is is very I know it's like an air art, but it's also very fluid to me, like water. And it like it connects everything together to make like a masterful piece, which is like my long term goal isn't to be like a huge music producer DJ guy. I'm like my my long term goal is to like, you know, do like films and like like actual things that combine music, film, narrative, story, like all together to create one big thing. It's either that or just own my own label, because the more I've been talking to labels, the more I'm like, fuck, I can do this shit. <laughs> <laughs> if you do that the new cal tape will come out on it oh thanks it's gonna be the aesthetic label i don't know i'll probably give it some some stupid name like that <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah i mean i agree with what you're saying uh with music i mean it is kind of a glue um and, and if not a glue i mean it 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 sort of goes with everything you know i mean you could pair it with pretty much every other art form out there uh, you could enjoy it simultaneously um, or, you know, and not even other art forms, people just love music to be around while they're doing other things, you yeah. know, especially socializing or partying yeah, or like, having have you ever dinner been to a party where there's no music. <laughs> like, yeah, I know. It like, kind of sucks. Talking and it's like, what the fuck's going on? Like, why are we even together if there's no fucking 808 trap hits in the background for us to talk over? Well, yeah, that's exactly the thing. Actually, I know? really like um, the whole SoundCloud pop that's coming out, like the whole like future uh, future bass sound, like the really happy trap music. I, I really like that stuff. I can't so, make it though. I can't make future like that's one thing. Like I'll make uh, I make so much angry, sad, like aggressive stuff. But like if I try to make something happy and beautiful, I can't. And I just think it's because I was raised in the trap. 
which is actually low-key true because like I, I i was looking at like where i live and i actually live in government housing because the, the state owns where i live because they're going to build a freeway through here but there's like all this like crazy like uh what's the word like politics just involved in building because apparently there was like a radioactive spill in the 60s or something and then like we're on like this like this ground that's like not really safe and it it's all just to build a freeway through so people who live in pasadena can get to la faster hmm so yeah Living in the trap, radioactive trap. So is it is it government housing because the government bought where you live? Yeah, it's not necessarily like a like trap trap area, but it's like I don't know. I get it. So is it kind of an eminent domain thing? Yeah, it's, it's kind of weird. Like I'm I'm stuck here. <laughs> well, unless I, I get out of here, but I, I'm I'm okay not paying rent. Okay, so uh, <laughs> what right now are kind of your you know, some personal goals that you want to achieve, you know, because I mean, it's, it seems like you're having a lot of fun creating, but you know, how do you want your YouTube channel and your art and whatever you make from here to sort of enhance the way that you're living? The thing is, I want to like, now that I hit a hundred thousand, like a hundred thousand isn't as big as I thought it'd be because like the universe is always reminding me that like, Hey, at any given moment, this can be taken away from you. Like, uh, like with just life experiences, and then like I, I'm I'm always on the lookout, looking at what other YouTubers are doing. And there's like literally, um, there's this uh, uh, uh an 11 year old girl who plays like uh, I think Call of Duty, and she like comments over it, and she got a hundred thousand subscribers in less than a month. And then there's this other dude who uh who I found yesterday, whose birthday is the day after mine. He draws stick figures and talks about how to like casually explain science things, and he got a hundred thousand subscribers in less than a month. So it's like. I'm I'm kind of like okay, well I'm I'm slowly going somewhere, and it's like I shouldn't compare myself to other artists, but like I have to remember that at any given moment, like this could all be taken away. So what I'm trying to do is just have fun with what I create, and if people see it too, if if people vibe with it, then cool. But right now I'm I'm realizing I have like a bunch of eyes on me right now. I can just put out a record and probably go touring. So my next goal is to probably go out and see the world because I've never left uh, Los Angeles in my life. Hmm. And, and, you know, you have put out quite a bit of music on your band camp so far. Yeah. So you would have a lot of music to tour behind. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just weird. Like, I don't know how I do it because I would want it to be organic in a way where I can just like, you know, get out there and like feel the energy with the crowd. Like, I don't want to just as much as it pains me to say this, like, I don't want to like be like a DJ or like a guy that goes and presses play. Like, I want to be something a little bit more than that. But like, I feel ironically, eventually, I'm probably just going to be like, hey, check out this mix of all my songs together that are instrumentals and I'll sing over them. It'll be like a giant karaoke party. <laughs> so I don't know. Well, that's kind of the, uh, th- that's kind of a, Another one of the blessings and curses of sort of making music in the modern age and with modern technology, you know, we're no longer uh, sure we're having these collective and these communal experiences with music, but uh, a vast majority of the music that you hear these days isn't sort of made in that communal space. You know, it's uh, very singular. It's one person working on the track and producing it. And maybe if there's a feature or something, I don't know, they've already made the beat and then they just kind of invite the person onto the song afterwards. Yeah. You know, you, you're not talking about this songwriting process where you have five, six people in a room with their own respective 
instruments, all of which they know how to play really well, or you hope they could play really well. And they don't have any ideas. They have to come up with the ideas right there as a group uh, in the room where they're sort of writing this song. And then hopefully at the end of all of it, they have uh, a... uh, a good tune. Uh, they have a product, you know, that they could put onto their record or a single that they could sell or something. Yeah. Um, so as a result, you know, wh- if it does go well, when they go to, when they have to, you know, when it comes time to play that music live, it's really a no brainer. You know, they already know how to play. They've already practiced and they don't need to, uh, uh, you know, sort of agonize over, you know, sort of having to press play or anything like that. Every performance is going to be at least a little different because, um, you know, it's it's going to be a different experience and you can't just kind of perfectly recreate the same live show again and again and again yeah. if you're all playing live instrumentation. Um, you know, now you could sort of create music by yourself in a cinch, but when it comes to sort of creating that that live experience, a lot of people are kind of, you know, left with uh no clue as to what to do yeah it's um it's funny because like i was thinking about how if if i had like like hypothetically like all the funds in the world to just do a do a tour where i can just play wherever i wanted to and had this and like a hypothetical audience that would show up it literally probably be just like a powerpoint presentation with music like I'd show up and be like, my video visuals are going to be in the background while I sing over my instrumentals. So it's like a karaoke PowerPoint presentation. And like, I kind of don't want to do that because it's cheesy. But like at the same time, it's like, well, people want to see, um, people, I guess people would want to see me and I guess people would want to come to like a communal dance sort of thing where you can just go crazy for a bit. So I'm, I'm still, I'm still working out like all the, all the bugs because like, I'm I'm an independent musician like I I've I've jammed with other musicians before but nothing's ever really worked out where it's like oh it's perfect now we can go on on the road or do something like it's always like real life has to intervene and it's like we can't really do stuff like that. I actually got booked this this guy's backyard show that's going to be at the end of April in like the it's in it's in Pacoima which is like some like little desert like uh, suburb and I'm going to be performing at, in his backyard just because he asked me to I'm going to show up and I, I told my my audience I was like hey I'm going to be here at a background uh, a backyard show and it's free and I want to gauge to see how many people actually show up like I, I'm I'm, I'm kind of nervous because Spotify tells me like how many people listen to me like go out of their way to listen to me in Los Angeles and it was like 500 to 600 people so I was like okay what if I do a little show in LA and like if if one percent of the audience shows up that's like five people six people or if they bring friends it's like 10 15 people so I think that that'd be a pretty interesting experience to do like the thing is I do everything myself I have no label backing like yeah I I told uh I told you in that other podcast like I'm signed to like this music uh writing thing but it's honestly like that that's such a a lie like it's such a it's such a joke like the way the music industry works you lied no i said it's it's such a joke like i I thought i was gonna be like getting like promotions and like uh getting like written about or like getting on labels but instead it was more like oh here's a artist instrumental write for it and maybe you'll get something and it, it was something that i i never I, I like it was like the the Hollywood dream of like oh I'm gonna be hanging out with big artists I'm gonna be writing for them I'm gonna be meeting them but instead it was like oh the internet exists here's an instrumental write for it and if they don't like it well they write for someone else and it was kind of like insulting too because like I produce my own music it's like hey why why don't we just uh, get this out and honestly like the whole idea of labels and like all that whole stuff it, it, it's it's all dead like literally the internet killed the label you you are your own label now. Hmm. 
No, I mean, it's it, it certainly subverted them to a point, but it seems like they still hold quite a bit of clout in terms of, you know, who is relevant, who isn't relevant, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, do, I don't know if... um. I don't know if I see labels ever just kind of being completely phased out or going away, honestly, you know, because I think um, while, you know, I, I admire you and I think you're super industrious and I think you're super smart and I think you wear a lot of hats because, Aww, uh, you. you know, not only because you have to, but because, you know, you have the guts to wear a lot of hats. Um, there are a lot of musicians out there who don't want to do any of that stuff, you know, and I low-key just... hate those musicians. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, do you hate them because is I, it? I just think they're lazy. It, yeah, like, you think, a lot you of think people, they're just being lazy? Yeah, like they're the whole diva, like the whole like artist diva who's like, I'm only a musician. I am an artist. Like, I don't do any of that. It's like, well, too bad. Like, you have to grow up and do everything yourself eventually. Like, if, if I really wanted to do my own cassettes, like I've gotten so many vaporwave labels being like, hey, throw your mixtape on my cassette and I'll, I'll give you like a 50% cut. And it's like, no, I want all of it. Like, I can do it myself. Hmm. So, so do you feel like um, eventually all musicians are going to have to come to a point where that they're going to have to be wearing all those hats, or you know, I mean, there are always going to be Taylor Swifts of the world who, yeah, I mean, you know, eventually who don't, who don't have to worry about you know that stuff, and and uh, you know, they're making so much money and they're generating so much buzz that there are people who you know essentially are just waiting on them hand and feet in terms of promoting them and so on and so forth. Yeah. Yeah, but here's the thing about that. That that's what I call. That's why I said the music industry is a lie because it's literally just smoke and mirrors. Like whenever I hear about a a new hot young artist that just popped up out of nowhere who's instantly getting radio play, I instantly know that there's like an entire team of people making it look like they're like you know they they just came up out of nowhere. But that that that's one thing that I hate about the music industry is it's all just smoke and mirrors and it's all just industry connections like oh so and so knows this person this 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 like literally um the only place where artists can come up from nothing is the internet and that's why I respect the internet platform the most as opposed to like the industry uh the whole I have management and booking like as, as whenever a producer messages me they're like like oh collab just talk to my manager talk to this i'm like i'm not gonna do that because that's that's fucking stupid you talk to me like an actual person on the internet the 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 people who look for music on the internet sort of know and understand that but i think labels have found their own way to sort of subvert that and make it seem as if people are just getting hot on the internet you know what i mean and not getting hot off a of radio play or anything like that i mean to me that's how lana del rey's whole come up sort of read to me you know the fact that this video game song which had you know when you listen to the audio had very high production to it yeah wasn't you know, she signed sections. to interscope though like wasn't she well, signed I mean, to like well, the biggest label? The thing label? is, nobody nobody knew that at the time that, that song originally came out and blew up on the internet. Yeah. You know, and the thing is, what added to that mystery was that you know it looked like a crappy webcam video, and and it looked like you know it was just like this homemade video that that nobody you know really uh, 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 was really involved with other than her, and it looked super low key, and it looked yeah. super you know lo fi, like kind of a DIY bedroom pop sort of thing. Yeah, and it seemed like this man manufactured independent artists and everybody was like oh wow who's this new indie artist and then all of a sudden it's like oh she's on jules holland oh she's on snl oh she's like been signed to a major this yeah whole it's time like, oh wow you know? how did this independent artist get on every single blog yeah exactly so um 
Because like so, that's so one I, thing I, that I think I think um, the major labels have found their own way of making it look like somebody has had this independent come up when in fact they didn't. You yeah. know, I mean that's what like I I pay attention to all the you know all the artist public uh, publication like you know Fader and like Vice and then like all those other music people. I think what's another one? But like I, I, whenever I look at them, it's like man, like half of this is manufactured, like half of this is paid for, half of this is just like. Uh, it's all business, and, and like I, I don't know. That's why you never see my music on any of those things. Like I, I don't know. I've I've had my own internet like my I've had my own internet success in some weird way. Like I've I've gotten my mixtapes have been downloaded like almost twenty thousand times for free and for various amounts of of money. But like there's still no like um online article press about me or what I do. It's like it's mostly because I'm talking directly to my fans. I don't need uh you know the machine to help me anymore i am it's just the artist and the fan there is no more machine around me so for somebody who wants to do what you do but sort of you know uh uh, um i guess kind of support themselves off of it you know are you at a point where you feel like you're personally sustainable doing what you are doing or is there a certain level that is there what is it I'm halfway there. I'm not like you're halfway there. I'm not 100 percent where it's like I am a full like I am an adult artist who does what I do and could support myself off of it. Like right now, I'm only halfway there. But at the same time, it's like I can see how if I were to release like the right track, the right album, the right this, it could just blow up and be something greater than I'd be ready to to handle. And honestly, I'm not ready to go viral or blow up or anything like that. Like I'm still like emotionally like I still get like fucking mad when like someone on the internet is like Frank Jeff sees. I'm like fuck you. <laughs> so like I'm not ready to be seen by like uh fucking millions of people yet. Like I'm 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 I I'm I'd rather take the slow pace to get to my goals and I'm I'm comfortable where where I'm at right now. Um <laughs> I th- I think that opens a an interesting discussion. I I want to ask you um uh, you know, you're you're telling me about how you interact with your fans a lot because, you know, you want to show. And, and I think that you do legitimately care about, you know, people watching your videos and people listening to your music and interacting with what you do. Yeah. Um, you know, but how do you sort of, you know, how do you deal with that hate that sort of gets thrown okay, your, here's the and, thing. And, and anybody else's way? You know, the I mean, only, me, I don't know, the only people that hate on me are other music producers. And that's something that that gets to me a lot. Like, it's never like, oh, your music just sucks, like some person. It's always like someone who's like, your music sucks. And I click their link and it's like, check out my mixtape, check out my SoundCloud, check out my music, Vaporwave. And I'm like, fuck. It's like, it's always the same people. And I'm trying to help those people. Like, that's what makes me mad is that I'm trying to help people that want to make music. And my only critics are other music producers, which is why I actually made a diss track about that a while ago. But I don't want to release it just yet because I feel like that'd be really like, petty of me to just like be like here's a diss track to all the music producers that hate me so like i'm I'm waiting <laughs> what i'm waiting for is so i can get more uh more like just uh just more like more hate so i can screenshot more pictures so it's it looks cooler like so like right now i only have like about 36 seconds of, of footage so i'm gonna wait till my i guess i get bigger and then i get more hate so i can screenshot more pictures and make a giant video collage that's at least four minutes and 20 seconds long 
Do you think hate is something that you should ignore or hate is something that you should acknowledge? And when, and once you acknowledge it, is it something that, you know, is, 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 does how you acknowledge it matter? I mean, I find hate a lot of the time really entertaining. Yeah, it, and, it is. Um, and, and I, and, and I, and a lot of the time I just kind of respond to haters just out of the sheer fact that I know once I respond to them, they're just going to throw more hate at me. And that just means more kind of lulls it's entertaining like that's the thing is we're in the entertainment business as long as you can show us that some something is entertaining something will get shares like that's part of your your business like like some dude on twitter told me to cut my dick off the other day (laughs) and and then i just like retweeted it yeah like it's stuff like that like the thing is um like I'm very, like, into, like, the whole, like, uh, yin and yang Buddhist stuff. So, like, I believe love and hate are, like, two sides of the same coin. It's just uh, energy. Sure, they're both fueled by passion. Yeah, they're both fueled by passion. And as an artist, that's what I want. Like, for some reason, like, my haters always think that because of what I do that I'll get affected the most by if they tell me I'm not funny or if I'm cringeworthy. Like, that's always, like, two things that they're always talking about. Like, Frank Jackson is, is such cringe. a liberally used term on the internet now. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's so stupid now. And or, or, like, another one, he's not funny. Like, they'll specifically go out of their way to, to tell me that I'm not funny. It's like, I'm, I, I know I'm not. Like, I'm just being honest. Like, that's what makes stuff funny is if you're just 100% honest all the time. That's what I've learned. So that's where the Frank comes from, my Frank Javsi. The Jav stands for Japanese adult video. <laughs> um, but okay, to go back to how cringy you are. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just so overused on the internet now. And it's just like, I, I, I believe it. I don't know. When you tell me that you've cringed on the internet, like I believe that in the same way I believe like when you say LOL that you like actually laugh. Yeah, that's true. In front of like, your computer. It's like you didn't actually cringe. Yeah. Like you're just you know, and, and, and this is coming from somebody who before everybody was saying everything made them cringe on the internet, like I used to love to watch cringe compilations. Yeah. And now like they're just everywhere to the point where like now because i've watched like several dozen cringe compilations like every single time i go on youtube they're like hey man you want to watch this new cringe compilation i'm like ugh, no i'm done (laughs) yeah it's half of the stuff isn't even cringy anymore because i've just cringed at so much shit and not only that (laughs) but like people are just so desperate to find anything to cringe at on the internet now that like half of the stuff they put in the compilations now isn't even really cringy. Yeah. It's low key like a fetish. It's kind of like porn because it gives you a physical reaction. Yeah. And that's the thing. I feel like people, I, I, I feel like on the internet, we've just like so over exhausted every emotional like response that we could have yeah. to almost everything, you know, with like uh, uh totally hilarious stuff and uncontrollably cute things and mm-hmm. stuff that just like, you know, really makes us angry, angry, angry. And now people are just like, man, I, what do I do on the internet now? Like, you know, I, I'm tired of funny and I'm tired of angry and <laughs> I'm tired of all these usual emotions I feel on the internet. Yeah. It's oh, like, let's, let's look for something cringy. I kind of feel like cringy is now that hipster emotion that you seek out yeah. on the internet. If you're like looking for, you know, some alternative uh, uh, alternative feels <laughs> yes if you're looking for some alternative feels yeah. because your average person probably isn't going on the like you know there are no moms going on the internet like oh what do i look up on the internet today let's look <laughs> yeah. for some stuff to cr- 
cringe at, you know? <laughs> yeah. But if you're like this alternative, like tween or teenager, like looking yeah. for some alternative feels and stimulation, you're like, let's look for some stuff to cringe at, yeah. guys. It's like, I knew I grew up when um I was in a Skype group and there was like these edgy, edgy teenagers that were like, friend Jeff sees in our, in our call, let's go on the pain Olympics and see if he could handle it. And I'm watching it and I'm like, I- I've seen this literally like four times already. Like, it's like, whatever. Yeah. It's just like. It's just red and fucking gross flesh-colored stuff. After a while, it just becomes so plain. Like, <laughs> oh, are you talking about like gore stuff? Yeah, like even like the hardcore stuff. Like after a while, it's like, yeah, you, there's so many images on 4chan that you can see so many times that you'll be like, I'm, I need something different. And that's what I like about art is like, art creates something so like that's why I'm really into ambivalence, like being happy and sad at the same time. Like a lot of my stuff, I try to make, I try to bring both, um, both sides of the you know of the coin together to create something like that'll make you feel happy and sad like something that makes you feel good and positive to create like this weird shining that like only exists within art Mm. you're talking about um uh sort of that being a sign that you grew up um do you feel like with age comes a certain uh uh numbness I don't know if you would call that numbness, the, well, your, your lack of reaction to, you know, sort of seeing the gory videos and all yeah, that. Yeah, like, um, I, I guess with age comes, like, a lot of, like, I'm I'm, I'm only 24, so mm. I'm, I'm... Old I man. Mean, I am old on the internet Old now, man. Because, like, a lot of people are, like, are, are like 9-11 jokes. <laughs> I was born after 9-11. I'm like, and I'll be like, oh shit, like, man, I'm fucking old. But yeah, like, I think with uh, <laughs> as time goes on, you get a little bit like, I, I guess a little bit more numb towards everything. But I think my also my my compass towards finding quality is a little bit better. Like, I, I know when something's good and when something's not now. Whereas like sure. when I was a teenager, the thought I, the stuff I thought was cool was actually like shitty now. Give me an example of something that you thought was cool and now it's shitty. Uh, um, anime. <laughs> <laughs> the the whole the whole genre yes the entire genre of anime no I'm just kidding that's that's something to get the 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 kids out there to be like oh, anime I'm trying to think because like the thing is I forget a lot of the shit that I thought was cool but like the stuff that I thought was cool it stays with me forever you know like hmm. I was really into uh like um electro pop back in the mid two thousands like in when I was like in middle school and high school like Metric was my favorite band I had their their album on on CD so I'd listen to that a lot I was really into like grunge and Nirvana back in like high school and stuff that actually set my entire aesthetic for high school I was just a wannabe Kurt Cobain and had ripped up jeans and flannel shirts all throughout high school because of that and I actually learned every single one of their songs on guitar so that's the why my influence from guitar is all uh, Kurt Cobain stuff. I even had his diaries. That's so weird to think about that Courtney Love would like sell his diaries. Like if I don't know if I ever die and my girlfriend sells my journals, I'd be I'd be fucking mad as a ghost. Oh, would you? Yeah. Oh, I know. I know some stuff that I like that I think now back is like there's this one video game I really liked on Nintendo 64 was Quest 64 because it was like the only RPG on the Nintendo 64. And I tried to play it the like last year and I was like, holy shit, this is the worst game ever made. Like it's so shitty. Like just everything about it's shitty. And I played it like three times all the way through as a kid. So it's like stuff like that, like quality. Like I don't know. You know, recently I've been getting um, into uh, playing Super Smash Brothers for the Wii U. Yeah. And I remember as a kid, and this is part of the reason I got into playing it for the Wii U, as a kid, I loved Super Smash Brothers 64. Like, yeah, I loved it too. That's my main, like, fucking game. Like, I can play, I can, I can play competitively against people on 64. 
Like, I used to play that game so often, used to main Kirby. Me and my brother would play that game for hours. Um, and I remember we would just, like, try so hard to outplay each other. And uh, th- there's, like, this YouTube channel where uh, they do, like, you know, Smash, competitive Smash weeklies. Yeah. And they, like, up- they upload all the results and they upload, you know, a lot of the videos of, uh, you know, just, like, the highlights and stuff onto YouTube. And then I had seen, like, a week or so ago, they uploaded a bunch of, like, competition footage from Smash 64. Like, yeah. some Smash 64, like, rounds, uh, some sets. And I was like, oh, man, I got to watch this. I haven't seen this game in years. And I was like, holy shit. I swore to God that the graphics were so much better. Yeah, like, right? In, in, my, in my memory. Like, but as I was watching it, I was like, did they make this fucking game on a potato? Like, what's <laughs> yeah. going on here? It's like, <laughs> like, it was moving so slow. And it just seemed so clunky. Yeah. And I just did not. Oh, I, I was just like, I don't know, my heart sank for a second. I was like, man, I thought my childhood was so cool. Yeah, you know what's funny? Like, to think that, like, 10, 20 years from now, like, little kids playing, like, the Wii U version are going to look back at that and be like, oh, gross. Yeah, it's like the graphics suck so much. Yeah. It's so crazy how technology just gets better and better. But, yeah, like, that, that's what I think makes um, the whole wave of, like, nostalgia core like uh what's so interesting is like a lot of producers are like oh i remember when i didn't know the world at all and it was just like these colors and stuff and i'm trying to recreate that and a lot of people in their art have been doing that recently Hmm. but but still though there are some video games back then that uh i believe on your second channel you're doing like a let's play of earthbound oh yeah i love earthbound a lot i still think that's such a great game And there's still like a lot of Nintendo 64 RPGs like from the Final Fantasy series or Chrono Trigger or Secret of Mana or uh, Legend of Zelda that I still think are like really great games. Yeah, all those games have special places in my heart. There's actually um, this theory towards why I think people uh, go to video game culture on YouTube so much because like it's um, as an art form, it combines all the arts together, but adds the interactive part of it so like you're you're actually controlling it so it it uses more parts of your brain and invests you more which is why whenever people talk about video games on youtube suddenly everyone's like video games and they they want to watch that which is also why like all those channels where it's like i'm playing a video game while talking have been blowing up recently too do you think video games sort of uh, to me, video games now are at a point where they're as popular and as relevant and as sort of uh uh accessible as music you know yeah i I think it's bigger like pretty much everybody plays games now you know um so you know do you see video games as sort of um i'm I'm sort of you know is it the bigger art form or does music kind of win out because once again music can kind of slip really into anything and even with video games like sure uh uh, video games are great but there's still music in video games yeah music is the glue i feel yeah and as as an art form, video games are like one of the ultimate art forms. It combines uh, music, it combines narrative, it combines visuals, and then what it what it does better than everything else is it combines interactivity. Like you mm-hmm. are inside the art, you become part of the art. And when okay, so so if music is sort of a glue, what exactly is video games to that? You know, like what what would video games be that? What is the music gluing together? Sort of in that in that sense. Uh, computer programming and art together. And mm. I think what what it is, is it's like creating that whole 
like I, I'm I'm always thinking about the future. Like I, I love the future more than I love the past and the idea of technology getting better and better. Me too. And I like the idea that one day we're gonna be able to put our brains into the c- computers, into the environments. And video games are slowly the the first art form to really put us into the art. Like when you play a video game, you became one with the art. And that's something that I think as technology gets better and better, we're going to be closer to doing, which is why I fuck heavily with the VR movement. And on my second channel, um, I've been uploading music videos that are VR. So when I, I don't even have a virtual reality headset, but when I get one, I want to start making music videos that are in three, uh, 360 degrees and you can look anywhere. Hmm. And I think the future of uh, when technology gets better is video games are going to be very important to music and all arts. It's like, uh, a band is going to release an album, and then their album is going to be a video game. It's like I, I'd, I'd imagine it as like, um, like especially with the vaporwave. Like that's why I really love Blank Blank Banshee the most out of all the vaporwave artists. Is they created this, uh, you know, this visual moving thing where you travel through um, a visual like um, just three D area with the music. And I think that's where I really want to take my music in the future is creating like three dimensional spaces that you can control that follow the music. I believe um, Anamanaguchi just like released an album and like a video game or music for a video game like at the same time on their Twitter like they just leaked it yeah and they've done video game soundtracks before mm-hmm. and some people are crazy for video game soundtracks like I think uh, Ghostly International they just like released a vinyl version of like the Minecraft soundtrack yeah and, and also I love the Minecraft soundtrack. Yeah, who doesn't love the Minecraft soundtrack? It's so relaxing. Um, <laughs> there was a Undertale. <laughs> That, that that guy, he did all the music and he did all the game and that like got him like billions and billions of dollars just from that. Like that's mm. what, what I was really interested in and like people invest heavily into it. Like I said, like the more you're interactive with the media, the more you want to do stuff with the media. Like there's millions and millions of fan arts, recreations, all this stuff from this guy's art because of how much it invests people in that. So like I've been like low key want to like pursue like computer programming because I only know like basic HTML and some C plus, but that's about it. But like I want to start getting heavily into like understanding three dimensional moving around space and creating like three-dimensional rendering stuff like that's why uh, i worked with a um a youtube artist andy wilson 92 for my uh, uh vaporwave is dead review where i was just like kind of like whatever and i was like he, he really got me interested in like 3d rendering and 3d modeling and i was like oh that's really cool you can do a bunch of shit with that yeah it's it's kind of crazy how much of an impact music can have when you sort of put it together with a visual that people really like like yeah. um that little 8-bit tune that you gave me for my second YouTube channel. Like people ask me about that all the time. Like there's so many comments on every single video, which is funny because like if if that song wasn't paired with those videos, people that like that song when they wouldn't have even known what it was. Yeah. You know? Or um, you know, like that little weird instrumental that I used to put at the end of my reviews. Yeah. That I just recorded as just your jazz sort of not the jazz thing, like that um it's got like a the guitar one? Yeah, the guitar one. Yeah. Yes, the guitar one. Um, I'm trying to remember the chord progression, like what I stole that from. Isn't um, it like, uh, it sounds like Chainless Memories or something. It's like dun, 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 dun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. that chord progression has been used in a million songs. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, people used to ask me about that all the time. And it's just funny how, you know, uh, uh, 
it's just like a little 14 second instrumental. And if people had ever heard it by itself, they probably wouldn't think that much of it. Yeah. But because it's at the end of a video, people are like, where's the rest of that song? Where'd yeah. that song come from? And it's just like, I don't know. It came you from know, this video. You know, there's something that like, got on my nerves about that. Like, where's this rest of the song? Like a lot of the times I'll make a track and people be like, extend it, make it longer. I'm like, just play it over again. Like I hate looping myself. Like as an <laughs> artist, I hate, I hate listening to a song that just repeats over and over again. So like when I make music, I make sort of structure it so that you don't hear the same song same sound repeated twice so i like people like will listen to it over and over again but on my last video my how to make vapor trap i've gotten so many messages for the last future funk part where i literally just put a kick a a, a vengeance kick to a diana ross sped up instead of slowed down that was my homage to a a macintosh plus is i instead of slowing it down i sped it up and put a kick to the diana ross song and people were like can you extend this 40 second part longer and it's like what you want like a three minute thing out of a 40 second thing like the entire track is supposed to be seen as one art but people want like the specific small little part to be extended to three minutes you know it it does not um me personally, as a music listener, I don't like um, exact sort of just copying and pasting kind of repetition either. Yeah. Um, that to me is sort of a, a, a turn off. And it turns me off sometimes when I hear it in music. Um, uh, but, you know, the thing is, some people's ears aren't fine tuned enough to tell when something is like repeating exactly. Yeah. So sometimes when you do it, like only you really know, you know, whereas like a lot of people listening will just to them, it's just like, you know. Yeah. Um, to them, it's I, fine because the thing is, for for a lot of people who aren't musicians and they're listening to music, they're just looking and, and enjoying a pattern. Yeah. You know, and and all they're really telling you is that I want this pattern to happen more. Yeah. And I I, I think it's still funny though. Like there was this one song that uh, m- uh me and Marion is magical on Twitter. We made together. Like she sings in all my songs and stuff. And like we made it in less than a day and just pu- I put it on my channel because I was bored. And people were like, "You need to make an extended version." And I was like, "Maybe." And then like the next day on YouTube, there was like four or five different versions of the song just looped to like five minutes long. And I was like. What the fuck? <laughs> Dude, that's why extended dance mixes exist. Yeah, I'm I'm planning on when I start doing live stuff to probably do extended dance mixes so it gives me time to like, I don't know, just like put tracks together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, I mean, sometimes when people, I don't know, sometimes when people <clears throat> like something, they just want it to happen extended or they want it to happen more. Like there are people who just harass me to review video games and movies. Yeah. And... I don't know. Like I never really went through a period where I was obsessed with movies in the way that I was obsessed with music, yeah. you know? So if I talked about a movie, I don't know, I would probably talk about how the storyline sucks or something, but that's really it. Yeah. I've been wanting to do some uh, film <clears throat> stuff too. Cause I actually went to college for film. Hmm. So, uh, like I, I literally only went to college because I really liked watching movies in class and I assumed getting a film degree meant I would just watch a lot of movies in class. And literally mm-hmm. that's all it was, was watching like the same f- I don't know, like 10 films over and over again. The one that they always show in film schools is a trip to the moon, which is about like the, the first uh, ever yeah. sci-fi. Yeah. Yeah. So I've seen that like hundreds of times. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. I think, uh, I think we should start closing things up a little bit right now. Yeah, no problem. Before we leave, let, let me try to get out of you. Um, uh, you know, what, what kind of advice would you give to, you know, I mean, uh, some of the kids who 
are maybe messaging you and and hey hey Frank Jeff see I'm a producer and I hate your music and I leave all sorts of comments on your YouTube channel about how you suck but um but still you know you're bigger and you're more popular than me and I want to know uh, uh how how do I get popular how do I get a viral hit I really want to make a banger so can you teach me how to make a banger because I really want to get popular and to get viral all right well here's the thing we're what you're gonna need to realize is that. You are an independent individual who will never exist like anyone else in the world. So you need to show everyone your unique perspective of reality through the form of music. Don't try to be someone else. Don't try to be uh, someone you think the audience wants you to be. What you got to do is create something so unique and so special to yourself that you yourself as an artist will like and admire. And if you like it, that's all that matters. Release it to the world and others will come. And and what kind of music should I make? Should I make trap or should I make vaporwave or should I make samba or should I make uh, happy hardcore? You should make music that literally is something that you can create that no one else can create. And that is how you create a genre. Mm. So is, is the goal to create a genre? Not really. It's to create uh, music that you love. Like, I feel like a lot of it has to do with passion. And if you're not passionate about your art, if like... Like, I'm not going to lie. There are times I literally didn't want to make tutorials. I didn't want to make music. Like, I hated it. But then there are other times when it's like, dude, I really love this so much. I have to make it. I have to show people that. And when I do stuff like that, it usually does better than I th- I thought it would. Hmm. And and what about, uh, you know, somebody who is starting out with uh, uh, trying to be creative just on the YouTube platform? Um, you know, uh, to what... Do you attribute, um, yay, listen, I know you didn't get 100,000 subscribers in a month like yeah. some of these other people, like some of these other jokers over here, <laughs> but but still, you know, you, you've uh, seen quite a bit of success doing what you do, and, you know, you're making content that is very alternative, it's very niche, but it has a passionate audience behind it, and it has um, this re-watchability uh, factor to it that... Um, that I think is elusive to uh, some people. Yeah, a lot of people, they want they want that hit. They want that flash in the pan. But what I, I would say is you have to create art. Like, when I make videos, I watch them over and over again. Like, I, I know it sounds kind of like, like I'm just masturbating myself. But literally, when I make art that I like, I'll listen to it over and over again. Watch it over and over again. And when I can do that, that's when I know I've made something special that someone else out there would like to watch and listen to or just anything. Okay. So uh if so so basically kind of a baseline thing is if you come out with something and you can't watch it over and over again or you're not enjoying it while you're watching it, uh you're just like no, this needs to be redone. Yeah, that's how I know that like the art isn't good, but if if it's something that I'm really passionate about that I'm addicted to, then that's how I know the art is good in my opinion. Okay. So it's all just kind of personal taste and you're hoping that, you know, your personal taste is not only being reflected with accuracy in what you're creating, but you're also hoping that other people are going to vibe for it as well. Yeah, like it's all about the universal subconscious. I feel like everyone, everyone universally like kind of shifts into like different like states of thought that I noticed that, well, that's where the trends start, like where people start all doing this similar thing where it's like we all just... Uh, we all just like subconsciously go like this is cool now and mm-hmm. like the more you follow that the more you the more you it's not necessarily following that but like the more you do your own stuff eventually you create that thing that people goes oh this is cool now and then everyone starts doing it hmm 
And uh, do, do you think something is happening beyond just, I don't know, what you would call preference in, in that sort of instance? I mean, you're talking about sort of the subconscious thing, yeah. you know, going on. I mean, is it really as deep as that? Or is it just like, you know, oh, we, we all just happen to like this? Um, I mean, it's, there's always like two sides. Like that, that's the thing about like the duality of nature that freaks me out. It's like, literally it could just be like, oh, it's just a coincidence or there could be something more. And the answer is like, not really stated. It's like, it's like even in the whole like quantum physics thing where it's like nothing, everything is a yes or no until it's observed. And then when you observe it, it's like, it's either a yes or no, a one or a zero. So it's like, it's always so elusive. And that's why I love art so much. Oh my God. That you you see the world in an interesting way, and I thank you for coming onto the podcast and sort of giving us a, a glimpse into your very dense binaural mind. <laughs> thank you so much for having me, Anthony Fantano. Um, we're gonna link uh, you guys down there in the description box to Frank Jevsey's main channel, his second channel, Dank Frank, his Bandcamp. His nude photos. Yep, they're, his, they're there. His <laughs> tour schedule. Eventually. Um, eventually, if uh, <laughs> if we if we if, if I manage to get around to it, and there is a tour schedule in the future, I will go back in time. I don't even have to go back in time because the internet. I will go back into my video catalog, yeah. and I will put the tour schedule in my description box. Oh, thank you. You, you just got to remind me. If you uh, don't remind me, I'm not going to do it. If you don't remind me, I'm not going to do it. Don't worry. When I'm a, a famous multi-billionaire Grammy producer, I will always thank you. And when I get that first Grammy, I'll be like, Anthony Fantano and no one else. Then I'm going to walk off the stage. No, you won't. Don't fucking lie. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> okay, so you've already cast doubt on it. Well, like so I said, well, you, well, you ones and zeros know. until we observe it. <laughs> Okay, cool. Thank you for being on, man. 